Hello, everyone. Welcome to this latest episode of the B2B Marketing Podcast. My name is David Rowlands. I'm the head of content at B2B Marketing and Propolis, which is the global community uh, for B2B marketers. My guest today is Johan Thorbjornsson, who is partner at McKinsey. So, Johan, welcome. Thank you so much, David. Nice to be here. Yeah, uh, thank you for thank you for joining us. Um, you are, of course, speaking at Martechopia, our upcoming tech conference in uh, in March. Um, for all our listeners, we'll leave a link in the description where you can learn a bit more about that. But first things first, could you please just tell us a bit about yourself, your background at B two B, and and maybe how you got started at McKinsey? Sure. Absolutely. So I am. Uh, I have a very weird Viking surname, as you might have noticed, <laughs> which means I'm I'm from the wonderful country of Sweden. Um, I have, you know, I've spent my career uh, in martech and ad tech predominantly uh, in in various in various parts of that ch- chain, basically, or that ecosystem. I mean, I, I started my career in, uh, working for a company called AOL, so I'm I'm quite old uh, from that perspective, a bit of a dinosaur. Uh, I usually refer to myself as a child of the cookie as well, if you've ever heard that one before. Um, but, you know, I spent, I worked in the sort of advertising space a lot. Um, I think predominantly, I mean, I've had my own SSP platform in the heydays of programmatic. I have, uh, I used to be one of the first, I was one of the first hundred employees in Critio back in the days when that was a, a thing. It still is, but it's slightly different now. And I've also uh, run run through Northern Europe, uh, Google marketing platform or double click and reestablishing that first in the Nordics and then across Northern Europe. Um, so, I mean, in that too, and then then after that, I, you know, I, I started in McKinsey, but through that capacity and, and those roles I've had, I mean, I've worked across multiple European markets. And I think in general, like how I've touched B2B is obviously like, you know the the whole uh, notion around everything has been B two B sales for me, right? I've always worked with agencies um, in various shapes and forms, uh, advertisers, organizations. So I'm, I know that very well. I've been part of that process, and even like when I was in Google, it was very much an enterprise software sales and operations capability, basically that we operated there, and and, and that was really how I've come in contact with. It's been a part of my everyday life for forever, right? Now, you had another question, which is how I ended up at Google. Yeah, a lot of people ask me that question because um, I it was literally that I noticed this was back in like 2000, what is it like, 2019, 18 or so. I noticed that, you know, MarTech and AdTech, those kind of the platform angle was getting more and more mature. And it was not really around, you know, getting software in, which it was before, and people using it. it was more like how do i operate that platform because if yeah. you have a you know the famous saying if you have a ferrari you, you you still want to be able to drive that ferrari and that's all about operating model processes governance and at the end of the day um you know sponsorship from from a c-level perspective of what you're actually going to do and accomplish and target setting etc and i got really intrigued by this and then software is that it's just a tiny tiny part of it that's like i usually call it that's the 20 percent and the eighty percent is that it's the operation and process, etc. And that's why we said, you know, I think I'm going to go into consulting, and and that's where I ended up in McKinsey, where I do a lot of work around, you know, a lot of these topics around, you know, growth, marketing, and sales for B two B companies, B two B to C. I do a lot of, uh, you know, retail and commerce media business building, uh, Martech. I'm one of the leading Martech experts in McKinsey in Europe. And and also on the ad tech side, so I'm I'm sort of very horizontal from that perspective. 
Sure thing. I mean, we, we want to talk today a bit about, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, talk about AI. But before we get to that, you just mentioned, um, you know, this issue around how do you operate the tech? You know, you've got the Ferrari, but, you know, if you don't have, um, you know, an F1 driver inside of it, it's probably not going to it's not going to go very far. Um, do you find that technology and MarTech in particular has maybe become a bit easier to use as it's developed? Has it moved away from sort of a, a technologist's sort of realm and into the everyday marketer's realm, do you think? Yeah, I would say. I would say. I think the, I would say it has. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, MarTech is our platforms and tools that are built for marketers. And what do marketers do? Well, marketers, they get a task to, a, hopefully a commercial task, to either do B2B or B2C, to sell a message or a product, right? And they run marketing campaigns, which essentially is plan the campaign, plan the message, execute it, and measure what the impact was. Uh, and that's really what MarTech, I think, today is about. Then there is obviously things about more, and, and I think that that's sort of well established. Um, and and I mean, like, I think I always find it quite funny when people say that, you know, it used to be math from the madmen to mathmen. No, we're still marketeers, right? We mm. we do things in our way. Uh, and it's still going to be true, although the tools might be more intelligent to help us do that more efficiently. Yes, but the you know the 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 sort of message and the marketing activity, uh, marketing and sales activity, let's call it uh, call it that, still going to be the same, right? It's still going to have the same objective, and that's why you know I think in general, Martech has sort of been built into that flow better over the years. It is still complex, but it's more complex from a uh, what can I say from a budgeting and cost process and let's mm. say uh, a governance process in the organization, but the technology itself has been, you know, way, way advanced. I would say more advanced, I think, to help. Yeah. And of course, AI was the big, um, I don't want to say the big new thing last year, because obviously AI isn't a new thing. It's been around for many years, but it did feel that last year was a sort of awakening of AI at the very least. Mm. And presumably that will have, you know, a further impact on, on MarTech in terms of how we, uh, well, the tools we use, but also how we actually use those tools in the first place. So looking back at 2023, um, mm. what do you think changed last year? What, how, why did AI sort of come to the forefront and, and what sort of things um, did it get you thinking about? So in general, I think the there was a lot of conversations last year, right? I think there are, you know, a lot of, what clients uh, of ours, for instance, right, and, this, and the work that we did on this topic was really around, you know, what can, how can we become more efficient? And I think the, the, the sort of narrative on that was really like how, what role can automation play and how can we then become more efficient? And efficiency can be, can be two things, right? Uh, it's either, you know, how can we operate more efficiently to save time, which equals cost in some cases, and how can we also operate more efficiently on the top line so we can be more efficient in terms of how we generate income or revenue, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then I think there's like subsets of that, which is like how we make how can we make our our um, our people develop, let's say, more broadly uh, rather than doing tasks that are repetitive and, and singular in its nature. Um, and I think you know the way. What changed last year was really that, you know, there was a huge uh, jump in the capabilities of generative AI, let's say that. I mean, from, from our perspective, I think it's important to sort of say, and you mentioned it as well, like AI has been around for a long time, but really what it is about 
know, is this move from, from our perspective is that, you know, there's automation to be efficient, uh, as I just mentioned. Then there is, you know, sort of, and that is sort of, you know, machine learning capabilities, for instance, right, which is sort of a foundational element of AI to make decisions without us having to intervene. And generative AI is to predict what that decision is going to be so we can all fully automate processes, right, for instance. Um, and, and I mean, like in the broader scheme of automation, you know, there's a, we, we look at it as, you know, there's a big gen AI can drive that further, right? Uh, and I, what happened last year was that there was obviously innovation in gen AI and it will just continue because it is the nature of how it's being designed. Um, and there was a lot of, to be honest, there was a lot of PR around gen AI as well. I mean, a lot of the, some of our organi the organizations that we support, I mean, they've been working with this for a long time, right? They've been working with, with AI for a very long time. And Gen AI sort of can accelerate that a little bit, right? And, you know, as a firm, we we sort of have stated quite vigorously that, you know, this is a massive opportunity. It's, you know, we, we estimated recently there was a $4.4 trillion uh, global productivity uh, increase that could be made. And, you know, I think in marketing, you know, Gen AI... Could, could sort of increase between five and fifteen percent of total marketing spend, for instance, as well, because we can become more efficient. We can spend, we can run more money through through systems and drive more commercial activity. And that's like a you know four to five hundred billion dollar thing. And these are big numbers, right? And I think those numbers have actually powered this along a little bit. I think another thing that's important as well is the conversation throughout twenty twenty four also shifted. Right, it started with, hey, there's a lot of cost. Can we become more efficient? Which I think is a very natural and sort of, would say, very uh, you know, quite sensible way to start out with this because it's new and you know everyone was experimenting, trying to figure out what they were going to do with it, etc. Then throughout the throughout the twenty twenty four, there was a lot of work being done on you know what's the actual upside of it um, that is not just cost but also revenue generation, for instance. And I think then you know at this end sort of last third of twenty twenty four, it shifted to more like hmm. You know, it's actually what's the upside? What's the revenue potential of, of a generative AI? And then it becomes a growth conversation, which then obviously spurs a lot of conversation around operating models, talent development, etc. Right. Um, and then there's like this revelation for some who's like, wow, there's a lot of opportunity, it's untapped, let's go for it. Right. And I think that's where we stand at the moment is in 2024, is you know, there's still you know, there's still a view on on generative AI in certain industries where it, you know it can be a productive. You know, it raises your productivity, but it's also uh, but some and some industries in particular see an upside on on the revenue side. So that's that's sort of how I look at 2020, 23, and where yeah. we are now. Yeah, I mean, I think you said in there, you know, it was a, a lot of experimentation was was going around, and I think to an extent, you know, that's still true. It does feel that you know marketers and and all business people, to be fair are looking for ways they can use, um, you know, ChatGPT or MidJourney, whatever it might be, particularly on the generative AI side of things, as you said. Do you sure. think that now, though, with, you know, 12 months further down the line, do you think we're now in a world where there are some sort of best practices around what a great use of generative AI looks like? Or are we, is it still just too early to say? That's a very good question, uh, David. I think, and it has many answers, right? Let me let me try and structure this uh, answer for you because I think, I mean, the way we look at marketing and sales in particular, right? Um, you know, there is three areas where we see uh, see like the potential where we see potential, and it's sort of customer experience, right? So how can you optimize the customer experience become more 
uh, immersive and better and you know, more comfortable and, and efficient for the customer. I think there's also like, you know, how can we drive growth? So, you know, acquisition, uh, customer acquisition uh, throughout a funnel, for instance, but with the help of generative AI. And then, then there's the productivity cost, uh, productivity slash cost bucket, right? Um, and I think it's it's really, I mean, the use cases I see that are really good are around automating processes in general, right? Mm -hmm. So if you are in a marketing team, there's a lot of, let's face it, there's a lot of, like, even if you do like, you know, if you want to do marketing campaigns in either your own channel or paid channels, you know, there's a lot of handovers still, right? I mean, I think we, we came quite a long way throughout, you know, automating things through like programmatic, which is a long, long time ago now, but, and, uh, you know, I was part of that foundational element of the industry a long time ago, but that sort of, you know, we've, we've come farther, further along that route, uh, but there's still a lot of like manual handovers between buyer and seller, department to department, et cetera, right? Uh, and that's where we see a good use cases uh, to how can we, you know, how can we do briefs better between an agency or how can we do internal briefs better on campaigns? How can we utilize creatives in a better way in our campaigns? How can we optimize our content in a better way by trying to predict what's going to come up? I mean, this is sort of along the lines of customer journey optimization. Uh, that is where we see uh, a lot of a lot of use cases. I think it's in. And so it's sort of like the process, but it's also the personalization itself, right? Mm. Which I mentioned to you now. And then I think um, uh, I think it's also like the, the, the there's also things around uh, idea generation. So how can we create new concepts by working with data in a different way or analytics to try to understand what could actually work to predict, right? And that's not new, right? You can do that through AI. When I was at Google, I mean, we did, we did. That's literally how Google is built, trying to predict what you're gonna, what you're gonna browse, what you're gonna search for, what you're gonna see on YouTube, for instance. But it's been around for a long time. Uh, but it's also uh, here around how do teams actually analyze data in a more efficient and interesting way. And I think there's, and and that's sort of where we see the use case. And if you look at, I'd like to sort of structure this in a way where. You know, there are three ways organizations create value through AI today in marketing to boost efficiency, um, efficiency, effectiveness, and creativity in general. And there's like, you know, there's off the shelf generative AI pilots. There are customer customized Gen AI solutions that you build, which has other different requirements. And then there are transformations that are generative AI transformations where you sort of change the whole underbelly of how you do things. And within that, there are two groups. Right, there is the experimentation gang, which is a lot still, and it's probably going to stay that for a while. And then there, there, there are the ones who are building actual, actual uh, capabilities and use cases. Um, so, so that's sort of how I how I look at it, right? So, a lot of still expert, expert experimentation, a lot of it's going to be within efficiency. I think we're going to see more, or I, I do see already now more like customer journey optimizations. How can I increase my conversion rates? How can I be better at analyzing data? How can I predict better through analytics where generative AI can be a way to predict in a better way and make decisions for me? Um, but I think also there's an important piece there, which I mean, we'll probably talk about a bit later, but like how do we ensure that we manage risk as well through that decision-making process, uh, which is something you need to consider as well. Yeah, That's sort of how I look at it, yeah. Well, maybe we could talk about the risk side of things now. I mean, one of the risks I kind of see with AI is that, you know, over the past few years, there's been this, I think it's fair to say, a big narrative around the need for B2B brands to be 
human or relatable or um, however you want to frame it, but not come across as very corporate and very cold, I think is the key. <clears throat> and, and ensuring that, you know, that brand messaging is empathetic and, and really connects with the person who's reading it. To me, though, yeah. it kind of feels like we've been given generative AI and mm. all of that's suddenly gone out the window because all of a sudden we can now use generative AI to generate an unlimited amount of blogs, which we can now yeah. pump out to our audience at will. Um, so that just feels like one risk. Is, is that one you would agree with or is, or is there anything else you, you think of as well? I mean, obviously, there's a level of maturity, right? So before maturity comes experimentation. I think that's that's sort of what you are describing. And, you know, our perspective here is that you have to be very careful around, as a marketeer in particular, right, of how you mitigate risks, right? Because we've seen Gen AI not working very well. And I think also the creators of Gen AI uh, or, the, or the people actually developing the platforms are also very wary about this, which is good to see. I mean, I think in general, they are taking responsibility and explaining how this what it actually is, because it's still an experimentation box in many, many ways, right? And I mean, from our perspective, it's um, you need to have processes in place if you're going to use this, where you ensure uh, you have measures uh, of how to deal with things like hallucination, bias, you know, data privacy violations, or copyright infringements, which are you know basic things that marketers always have to deal with. So there's no really no difference there from my perspective. But I mean, like, I think it's also important to say where are you experimenting? Because I mean, with consumers or like in in marketing, mass marketing, and I think also in B two B marketing in many ways. I mean, I think you need to be really careful about not making sure that to make to ensure that it's actually a it feels like humans because humans are also AI. We're very good at sniffing out what's what's good and what's not, right? So let's not underestimate ourselves mm -hmm. here, uh, to be honest, for the for the first reason. So being smarter in how you use it is important. And I mean, some examples that I've seen is like, don't use Gen AI or typically not use or Gen AI for, for high stake decisions, right? Regulated environments, applications that have all heavy volume of requests and numerical reasoning, for instance, right? Um, I think that's that's sort of where you should you know stay away from that. You can experiment, and, and I see some clients experiment on their own population, limited areas to to really get to that look and feel of this is actually human. And I think that that's that's sort of my my number one thing uh, that I would think about. I think there's also around the process that I mentioned is like having an accountable leader for for AI and generative AI and the process that you have attached to it. Uh, is really important to establish, right? So someone who leads, who is accountable, and then sort of what we talk about is a lot of like the technology oversight board uh, to sort of make sure that you are managing risks and mitigating risks, you have a plan, and you are also as, as a collective accountable for, for those things. And then I think you will limit the number of, let's say, weird experience that we can have with Gen AI, which to be yeah. honest, can cost you a lot, right? It can be very, very damaging for a brand, uh, a sales team or what have you not. I think also, last but not least, through those processes, the human human review, right? I think I sort of touched on it before, but like make sure that that still exists uh, before going directly to, to either a consumer or a B2B environment um, and sign it off. I mean, Gen AI is not there yet. It's, still, it's like a child. I mean, I recently got a puppy. You have to teach the puppy how to live, right? And, and Gen AI is sort of there in a way from my perspective. As of now, but the more we use it collectively, the better it's going to become. And at some point, you can probably trust it to us to a high degree. To be honest, yeah. But the human review is still going to have to be there, I think, for a long time. 
It's interesting. You mentioned in there that you need some kind of leader in Gen, Gen AI. Generally speaking, where do you think that individual might sit in a business? Is it going to be on the IT side? Is it going to be in the marketing team? Is it even in a legal team? Yeah, that's, that is a very good question. I think what we've seen, I and, and many of my colleagues have seen both, right? Traditionally, it would sit in the IT uh, department. Uh, I think uh, we've also seen like the emergence of CDOs, right? Where CDOs have, let's say, a bit more of a holistic view on technology and not IT, because IT is a lot of, you know, it's a lot of process. There's a there's development, there's engineering, there is data science. There's a lot of different, uh, let's say, faculties within that uh, type of organization, which might be suitable in some cases. We've also seen CDOs become more uh, prevalent here and saying like, they are closer to the business and therefore closer to the, not the technological risk of Gen AI, but rather the business risk of, a, uh, of Gen AI. Um, and then, as you say, there's also been legal, uh, you know, a legal view on who should be this oversight or, or let's say the accountable leader. I personally, I think it's a cross-functional um, effort because you need to understand, in order to stand, understand the technological implications the business needs to understand the business implication. And obviously that's going to have implications on the technology. And there's a governing framework, which is a legal framework. So I, that's why, you know, we talk about, there's no, probably not a single leader. I think the person would be the uh, the technology oversight board, which shoots of a cross-functional team. Um, and at some point, maybe this will become a single office or a person as well, right? But I think for now, I think we need to work across across different parts of the organization. Yeah, that seems very sensible. Um, I think, you know, again, we, we've spoken a lot about experimentation and trying things out and all that kind of stuff. There is presumably going to be a point at which generative AI um, is part of most marketers' day job. You know, they're not even thinking about it. They're no longer thinking about it as gen AI. They're just thinking about it as work. I, I appreciate, you know, you're not a, um, you know, you're not someone who could look into the future. But when do you think that might start to be the case you know when do we start to think that gen ai just becomes regular day-to-day -day business wow uh that, lovely i wish i mean if i had that answer that question i think i would be a very uh very happy and wealthy man <laughs> no i mean like uh in all in hindsight i think i think it's important just to think about this in, in, a, in a very i think about it in a I think there's like in a horizons perspective, right? So there, there are different, and, and it goes across two, two dimensions. One is sort of the technological capabilities of generative AI and the general maturity of what it can and cannot do. Uh, and then there is sort of the business side of it. So how much, how much um, upside can I generate? How much growth can I generate? And underneath that, there's also a cost element, right? And at some point, as you say, what, what you're asking here is like, where is the pivot? The pivot is going to be, I think, conceptually, when it actually generates a value that is higher than the cost of what we are using today, uh, basically, right? So when can I, then it's going to be interesting. And then it's going to be at board levels, uh, board level meetings where they are, you know, discuss it, where, where, where the real decisions are being made in organizations. And I think, um, you know, and in terms of marketing, right? So marketing is one of those areas where, which we have also singled out as, you know, it's one of the areas where generative AI can be very, very powerful, uh, both on the, as I said, on the process side, but also on the upside, let's say the revenue generation side. 
Um, but I think, and, and companies are already today exploiting, exploiting Gen AI uh, in marketing, right? Let's, let's just do it. It's not new. It's sort of a build on, it's a bolt on of, of AI. And I think um, long-term opportunities for companies who want to push even further are also there. And, and like the question is, do we have an end-to-end process of Gen AI? So there's no people. I mean, there's decisions by people, but the process is probably a Gen AI. And there are already examples of, of stuff like this being done in marketing, right? I think, for instance, like some of the examples that I've seen, uh, you know, generating additional prospects and prioritizing leads with, uh, with uh, GPT tools in general, uh, you know, identify missing contacts at accounts, sifting through a lot of data through a CRM system to release uh, takeaway duplicates, and therefore making yourself more efficient and more better prioritized. That's already being uh, done today. I think there's also uh, AI tools, Gen AI tools that are assisting sellers to focus on the right prospects uh, and the right accounts um, uh, with pre, you know, pre-written scripts based on what's being done before, etc. Still, a human doing it. The Chat GPT capability is actually helping you to be more efficient and, and prioritize the right way uh, of doing things. Right. So that sort of efficiency and probably a higher conversion rate in in in, in general, right? Then I think it's something around other cases we see is, you know, self-service capabilities through chatbots. I mean, like a couple of years ago, everyone wanted a chatbot. Everyone got a chatbot. And then consumers and users were like, yeah, but chatbots, it's a chatbot. So I'm still going to say, connect me to a person, please. enter. Uh, And I think Gen AI can help a lot here, actually. And it's already doing that. I mean, like. Uh, customer self-service chatbots are being enhanced by Gen AI, who are being enhanced by Gen AI, are generally more personal or perceived as more personal and therefore have a higher um, capability of communicating with users. And it's what it basically means is that also it, it sort of creates a more efficient process behind it. So how can we find the answer to this question? It can be more process. I mean, can triage issues faster. You expedite operational dispatches in a, in a let's say a more predictive way you can run the analytics more in a way where you can sort of you know do this more efficiently and you ultimately improve customer experience and this is what market is doing i think the third group very quickly as well is like you know this is this is experimentation now so the first two are very process and back-end based like the the other one that's really being drive now is how do i attract more high quality leads through seo sem pay channel activation and my own channels in in, in an orchestrated way I think it's also brand engagement uh, through through media, media buying, et cetera. Uh, there is a lot of CRM triggers you can use through your MarTech stack, for instance, with Gen AI making, let's say, an analytical proposal of a decision um, on a multi-channel level, for instance, which I think is, is, is happening as well. And then uh, I think also what we call capitalize on prospect momentum, right? So leveraging Gen AI to summarize insights about the prospect based on what we know about them, basically, and therefore be more efficient. So those are like the three three buckets I see. Fantastic. Uh, where I think marketers will be as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, f- fantastic. Thank you for that, Johan. I think we are running out of time um, today for our for our conversation, but you've gone through so much. So thank you very much. I guess my one final question for you. You are obviously speaking at uh, Martechopia, as we discussed. I'm not going to ask you to give away the whole session, but can you give us an overview of you know the kinds of things you're going to be talking about? Yeah, so I think generally, um, I think there's a lot of things to talk about in Martechopia that are very interesting for for the audience. But I think what I personally uh, do a lot is sort of play back 
our perspective, what we see with clients, what clients are doing and sort of provide cases where, you know, we have a perspective globally where you could say you know, Gen AI and, and, and AI in general or automation is, is a global phenomenon. It's in every industry. And I think if you don't think about Gen AI in particular now, uh, you, you are going to be struggling a bit, right? Because there are now going to be processes quite quickly. They're going to be run through your MarTech stack that are going to accelerate your competition, right? So you should really think about this, but you should think about it sensibly and what, what actually makes sense, right? With a business focus. And that's sort of providing that perspective, I think is really important, not making it a tech thing, but rather a a business decision, uh, to be honest, <clears throat> um, and graduating from this experimentation thing. That is, that is something that I'm incredibly uh, think uh, we have an obligation as an institution to sort of talk about. Uh, how do you do that? And how, what have we seen? And on the other side, I think it's also really important to also show the face of Gen AI and AI in particular, uh, how organizations are using it and provide examples of what you actually can do to make it really useful for the audience. And, and that is that is sort of the the general uh, way that we're going to to talk about um, and present at at Martecopia. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to uh, seeing you there. And uh, thank you very much. And hopefully see you soon. Thank you, David. Bye.